The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. It's wonderful to have you this evening. I have an exciting show, and we're going to be talking about dreams and dreaming, which is a topic that we all tend to encounter from time to time because uh, many of us have dreams, and sometimes they make absolutely no sense at all to us, and other times we're able to discern the meaning out of them. That's the whole thing, isn't it? More and more people in all walks of life are looking for that bigger story of their lives or trying to make meaning out of the things that are showing up in their lives, whether in the dreamscape or in the worldscape. And to access that hidden logic of events and that deeper reality between our ups and downs of everyday existence is where we tend to want to go. In this new time, we have the opportunity to participate in a really more gifted and generous version of ourselves. We have the opportunity to start to become and truly experience the multidimensional human. But in order to do this, we need to marry contemporary science with the techniques of paleolithic psychology, which are conscious dreaming and hypersensory perception, and the care of feeding the soul. You were born to fly, and in dreams, you remember that the soul has wings. Our guest tonight is going to talk a lot about remembrance, because that is a big part about dreaming. He is the world-renowned dream expert and best-selling author, Robert Moss, and has written numerous books on dreaming, including Conscious Dreaming, Dream Gates, Active Dreaming, The Secret History of Dreaming, just numerous books to really help people understand what the whole dream world is about. So without further Further ado, I'd like to welcome Robert Moss to 1111 Talk Radio. It's good to be dreaming with you, Simran. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's a great place to start. Which one are we doing? Are we dreaming, or is this real? Well, it's that's a strange question, isn't it? Because from a dreamer's point of view, the dream world is the real world. I met early on in my peregrinations in this country. I wasn't born in this country, of course. I was born in Australia. But I learned early on amongst the Six Nations of the Iroquois or the Longhouse that in their traditional talk, they say that the dream world is the real world, the physical world is the shadow world or the surface world, that the dream world is where you get in touch with the the true teachings, the true knowledge of what it's all about. It's where you come into contact with the origin of things that will happen in this waking reality. That's a perspective that is not unique to them, of course. It's a spiritual perspective common to many traditions. My native Australia, the first peoples, the Aborigines, say something very similar, the dream time, which I also call the all at once, the place outside time, which is always now time. That's the place where you meet the wise ancestors. That's the place where you remember what it's all about. That's the place you want to be in contact with. The Aborigines also say that your personal dreams, not to be confused necessarily with dreams as understood in Western psychology, but your personal dreams can be your access to the dream time, which is about more than individual dreams. It's about you know, being where you want to be. 
So, you know, we're talking now, and from a certain point of view, we're talking within a dream now. I think we're physical. I think I'm physical. I'm holding a phone receiver in my hand, and I'm feeling the comforts and discomforts of physical life. But I think although I'm in a physical body at the moment, I think nonetheless I'm in one of the many levels of dreaming. You've said a lot there, and so much of what you said really opened some doors for me in my mind that I hadn't thought about before, and I'd like to go back and review a little bit of that. So the dream world is our real world. It's our, it's our higher self world, our world of wisdom, and you said our physical world is the shadow world. And that, when you said that, it was like a click went off in my head because that's what we experience in this physical reality. We experience our shadow. We experience our angst. We experience the emotions and the experiences that challenge us. The world outside looks very difficult and sometimes harmful or, or fearful. And so it, it does seem that this physical reality is supposed to be that sort of dream then if you're saying it's the shadow world well i was struck by your name simran i mentioned it to you just before we came on the show simran as i understand it means remembrance or remembering when i was a kid in australia teenage boy i'd been very sick as a child and now i and i learned to get in touch with the worlds of dream and imagination when i was a, a early teen in australia I had visitations in the night from a radiant being who insisted on speaking in Greek, not even you know, ordinary Greek, not even ordinary classical Greek, but the very difficult language of the Neoplatonist philosophers, which I had to study. I had to study Greek as a child because this visitor was speaking in Greek. And he said to me when I was a boy, he said, all real knowledge is anamnesis. You can actually find that word in English. It means remembering, but it means remembering with a special spin in Neoplatonist philosophy. It means that, all, that remembering in the sense of remembering what belongs to us on the level of soul, spirit, and mind before we come into the body, remembering what it's all about, remembering what we agreed to before we came into this life, remembering the deeper life and carrying that knowledge and acting on that knowledge in the world. And, you know, I've had my stops and starts in life, but since that stage in my early life, I think I've understood that what I wanted to do was gain access to that level of knowledge and help other people gain access to it also. It's not about saying that this world is illusion or shadow. I was quoting the Iroquois, quoting the Six Nations of the Iroquois on that. I don't regard this world as shadow in any negative sense, but I do think that sometimes in the circumstances of ordinary life, we forget what it's all about, and we do ourselves and others untold damage because we forget who we are, where we come from, and what our sacred purpose might be in this lifetime. Dreaming, as I practice and teach it, is a way of remembering, and absolutely a way of remembering. And once again, this is about far more than simply discussing what the meaning of an individual sleep dream is. I have great respect for spontaneous sleep dreams, the ones, the ones we don't want, the ones we don't ask for, which might be holding up a mirror to our lives and our attitudes and actions and might be showing us the future. But dreaming is about a great deal more than that. Well, and I, I think from, from what you've just said, I've gotten that there are many different states that we are living in uh, whether we deem them as dream or reality, but they're all existing, but perhaps sometimes we get too caught up in what we consider reality that perhaps we're blocking some of the dream and dream messages and the wisdom. But then you also talked about personal dreams and being able to access. So that's, that's a whole different path of allowing the self to dream. Right. That's, you said that very well, Simran. 
Dreaming is actually about waking up. I mean, that sounds like a, a paradox or even an oxymoron uh, because we think the dream is a passive activity. You lie down, you go to sleep, you have a dream, or it has you. It may or may not have meaning. You may or may not figure out what it means. Well, yes, I mean, we dreaming can be a passive activity. We go to sleep, a dream comes upon us, or we enter a dream, and we discuss what it means. But actually, in waking life, we're in the condition of sleepwalkers quite often. We don't really know what it's all about. We're so caught up in schedules and agendas and other people's definitions of reality and getting through and trying to pay the bills that we forget that there is a deeper logic to our lives. Dreaming, I repeat, is for me a process of awakening. Actually, in the language of ancient Egypt, the word for dream also means awakening. We transliterate it as reswit, R-S-W-T. In ancient Egyptian, they did a lot of dreaming. The, the very idea of dream is that of awakening, waking up to the deeper logic and purpose of things. And this is what I do. I mean, in the new book, Active Dreaming, I teach people to dream in several senses. I teach people to do a great deal more with their night dreams than we ordinarily do, not just ways of coming at their meaning, but ways of bringing energy and guidance from the dream state into waking life, ways of sharing dreams that deepen relationship and add juice to the day. But I also teach people to dream consciously or lucidly, I mean, to enter the dream state wide awake and conscious and stay there for a while and have an adventure. I teach people to dream a shaman's dream by embarking on a conscious, intentional journey, traveling to different realms, traveling to different dimensions, remembering and bringing back gifts and maybe most important for the show and for our listeners, I teach people to look at the world around them as a set of dream symbols, to play with coincidence or synchronicity as a set of homing beacons or guidance signals, and to regard the world around them as more fluid, more potent, more full of symbol and significance than they may have done before. And when you do that, you know, your life is much more interesting. There's a little magic in every day. And you become alert to the greater powers of the universe that are operating around you. Well, and, and you have touched on something, again, that's very important, and it is that a lot of people are sleepwalking in a sense that we get caught up in our day-to-day lives, stuck in that rut, or we've kind of given up a sense of hope just because of what we felt life has dealt to us. But through allowing ourselves to dream, we, we do reawaken something, or at least we allow a kindling of the fire within to come back alive. And intention is a big part of that. You use that word, and throughout the book you speak a lot about intentional dreaming or active dreaming, and that being so necessary in the reality creation process. I think our life turns on intention. It turns on choosing and becoming aware that we have choice. Uh, one of my personal mantras is choose the day. I mean, choose what you are going to be, what attitudes you are going to carry every day of your life. Choose at every turning how you're going to respond and how you're going to receive and welcome or fail to welcome the world. I mean, I travel a lot. I notice that I do much better when I choose when plans are screwed up and go awry to look for the opportunity in getting off plan, for example. Uh, so a lot of it is about, indeed about it to intention. I mean, to become an active dreamer in the circumstances of life, we want to remember that we always have this freedom. However tough things get, we have the freedom to choose our attitude, choose the intention we bring to the day, and when we do that, we choose our experience. A lot of quantum physicists do talk about the imaginative cells and how much of our life is guided by the degree we allow ourselves to imagine and feel those visions or what you might call, I guess, the dreams. Are, are visions also the dreams? 
Yes, I mean, for me, it's all a spectrum of consciousness. It's it's all a spectrum of dreaming or forgetting to dream. And, and I don't make sort of hard and fast distinctions between these things. In common talk, we, we talk about dreams as if they're sleep experiences and visions, as if they're waking or hyper-awake experiences. But in, in the languages of humanity, there's not a hard and fast distinction between these things. Um, what is true, I think, is that our imagination shapes our experience of everything. And if we don't recognize that we are, we are guided and controlled by images, then we're losing out because we don't experience the world directly. I mean, here physicists and mystics and shamans are all of one mind. We experience things in the way that we are able to perceive, to see, to imagine them. Uh, I remember an account of Captain Cook arriving at an island in the South Pacific and no one saw his sailing ship in the 18th century because the people he was encountering did not believe in sailing ships. They didn't know that they existed and they literally could not see the sailing ship when it came over the horizon. Uh, we're a bit like that. Things that we cannot imagine, we do not see for a while. But when we imagine more richly, then we are able to shape the reality that we inhabit it and life becomes very interesting indeed. So a lot of this is about growing the practice of imagination, you know, learning consciously to grow the way that you work and interact with images. I mean, this is very practical stuff. It might have sounded a bit ab abstract up to this point, but let's put it in, in the context of the body of medicine and healing for a moment. There's a growing consensus in many areas of medical science, particularly in oncology, that images can heal the body, that if we can give our mind, give our focus to an image the body can believe in that moves the body in the direction of health, then the body will produce the right chemicals, the body's functions will alter, as if the image that we are putting to the body is a physical event. It's as straightforward and as radical and as important as that. The body believes in images. If we can shape our minds and put our minds on the images that bring healing, the body will behave accordingly. I think it's like that in the larger context, too. So we want to grow our imagination. One of the most practical statements I have ever heard was from the great Bengali poet Rabindranath Tagore, who said, the stronger the imagination, the less imaginary the result. The stronger the imagination, the less imaginary the result. Exactly. My guest today is Robert Moss. He is the world-renowned dream expert and author of numerous books, Dream Gates, The Secret History of Dreaming, Active Dreaming, Conscious Dreaming, and he speaks about dreaming being the waking up to sources of guidance, healing, and creativity beyond the reach of the everyday mind. Through dreams, we begin to recover knowledge of our origins, our prehistory, and our purpose in our present lifetimes. This could include remembering our sacred contracts, the missions we agreed to fulfill before we came here, and our soul families. We'll be right back with Robert Moss and you can connect with him at mossdreams.com. That's mossdreams.com. We'll be right back. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics 
of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Hi, this is Randall Libero, host of Spirit of Film Conversations. I hope you'll join me each week as I explore how movies and media are changing the way we think, live, relate, and dream. My program showcases today's independent and visionary filmmakers and their personal and artistic journey to bring their vision to the big screen, television, DVD, or streaming video on the Internet. We also cover subjects on new media and the Internet, tech news and developments in digital production, and about the groundbreaking ways people all over the world are creating a brighter future using the tools of streaming video, social media, and portable devices. So I hope you'll join me every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern. Also check out my website at spiritoffilm.net to find out more about the show and my guests each week. And thanks for listening to Seventh Wave and Being the Change. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Are you aware of how influential the role of dreaming plays in your human adventure? My guest, the world-renowned expert on dreaming, states that dreaming is, a vi- is vital to the human story, central to our survival and evolution, to creative endeavors in every field, and quite simply, to getting us through. He writes that it may be just as babies rehearse for walking and talking in dreams before they've developed the corresponding physical abilities, humanity rehearses for new phases in its development through dreaming. Robert Moss can be found at mossdreams.com, and you can explore a lot of the amazing work he does, including many of the events that he has that will allow you to understand how to participate in active dreaming, how to discover this method of dream work and healing through the imagination so that you can grow, tap back into your soul, create a place of remembrance and soul connection, and discover a whole world of dreams that goes beyond just the basic understanding of what a particular dream might be. There's a whole world within you and an even greater world in the many spectrums of dream landscapes that we participate in in our many multidimensional experience. Robert, we were talking about um, how quantum physics is talking in in regard to to many different, uh, let's say, bubbles of reality. And would you say that these bubbles of reality are basically the different dimensions that the dream state can be? And, And is the waking state or daydreaming state also considered a method of dreaming? 
Well, I think the short answer is yes. Uh, we learn these things through experience. It's good to have models of understanding. So whether we're, um, we find our model in quantum physics or in uh, Neoplatonist philosophy or in the, the, the doctrines and teachings of a particular spiritual tradition, these are ways of grounding our experience in some context, you know, so that we don't go crazy. But what I teach and practice is essentially an experiential method of exploring the hidden dimensions of reality directly, and that includes the hidden aspects of our ordinary life. I think it's like this, Simran, to put it slightly differently. When we go dreaming, whether we're having a dream at night or whether we are going into deep meditation or whether we're going on a shamanic journey, uh, we are getting out there. We go beyond the curtain walls of our ordinary understanding. We go beyond the, the rules of Newtonian in physics, we go beyond 3D or 4D, which is 3D plus time, we get out there. We go into these hidden dimensions. Perhaps we enter those hidden dimensions of the physical universe that superstring theorists speculate about. We, we seem to enter sometimes realms where the departed are at home, which is how I think across the millennia humans have gained their belief in an afterlife, their belief that consciousness survives the death of the body. Maybe we go to places of healing and guidance and initiation and transformation in what is sometimes called the imaginal realm, the realm of true imagination. Anyway, we get out there. Through coincidence, through synchronicity, through the symbolic pop-ups of regular life, the powers and forces of the deeper world come pushing or poking or tickling through the curtains of our ordinary understanding to bring us awake. So on a practical basis, day by day, as dreamers, as people who are enlarging our consciousness, we want to do both things. We want to be alert and alive to our ability to travel beyond our ordinary understanding through night dreams and through processes of conscious meditation, active imagination, shamanic journeying into the deeper world. And we want to be open to the way the deeper world plays with us, pushes us, sometimes knocks us down or holds us up to get us to pay attention through coincidence. So I spend a lot of my life noticing uh, patterns that are going on around me. What rhymes in a day? I mean, we're on 11.11 radio. I mean, obviously there's some interest here in what rhymes, the way that things repeat themselves, the way that images come up. I will play these games. The first vanity plate of the day on the car in front of me might be a message. A more interesting message might be the behavior of a certain bird or the appearance of a friendly black dog on a street corner or a snatch of conversation overheard. I'm not going to go crazy and make out that all these pop-ups are equally significant, but I will know in my feelings when something larger is speaking to me. So wherever I am, I want to bring more consciousness to the situation. And wherever I am, I want to be aware that at every turning, I am a chooser. I can choose my attitude. I can choose my direction. I'm not the servant or the automaton of some process beyond myself. I mean, this is, this is the way that I walk in this world as an active dreamer. It's the way that I encourage others to walk. Well, it is definitely true that the universe is begging to have a conversation with us, or the soul is begging yes. to have a conversation so, with us, and yes. does speak to us in many different ways of symbolism and form. And, and perhaps it's a question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, but the synchronicity issue, that is, you write, uh, the dreamer's way of traveling the roads of everyday life. And I love the statement that coincidence is when the universe gets personal. Yes. And that's when we really do need to pay attention because that's kind of like a, a road sign right in our face to say, Absolutely. gosh, if this happened, this coincidence or this synchronicity, someone, something, my soul, the universe is really trying to tell me something here. That's said very well. 
One of the things I say to people who are suffering a dream drought, and a lot of people in our society are suffering a dream drought in the sense they've lost connection with their night dreams, I say to them, well, you don't have to go to sleep to dream. One of the things that you can do is you can just pay attention to what's going on around you in the course of a day. And there are a couple of very practical and helpful ways that you can do this. The first is you might have a theme on your mind. You might have a question for your life. You know, like guidance on such and such. You like guidance on the job interview. You like guidance on your marriage. What is your theme? Well, do this. Step out into the world with the idea that the first unusual, unexpected, striking thing that enters your field of perception will be a message from the world about that theme that is on your mind. And receive it as a message, whatever it is. I mean, however crazy it is, it doesn't have to be way out and weird. It can be a sign, you know, on, 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 on a road sign. It can be a logo on a truck that you haven't noticed before. That might be a message. But then, again, as the second method, and it goes deeper. Listen to what the world is saying to you because we move in the speaking land, as the Australian Aborigines say. Lots of things in the world are trying to communicate with us if we'll only pay attention. Notice three things in a period of time in your day that just simply strike your perception with no agenda. Just notice what they are. Three things that come up that you notice and make a list of them and look at them later on like dream symbols and see what the world is saying to you that way. Very interesting how this works as a quick example. I was thinking some time ago about the condition of a friend of mine who was in great trouble in her life uh, in many ways and uh, running into all sorts of difficulty. And I was thinking, what guidance can I give her? And I'm driving on a rural road in, in Vermont, and suddenly I see a sign in front of a small church. I'm not sure what de denomination it was. And the sign says, Courage is fear conquered by love. Courage is fear conquered by love. I think that is really deep and so true. To be brave is not to be fearless. You can be fearless, mm -hmm. just be crazy or reckless. To have courage means that you have something stronger than fear which can take you through the fear without denying the fear, whether that is love or a cause or family or duty. And I gave her that message. It was a very good message to give. So there I was thinking, what message can I give my friend as one in my face? The other night, I was doing some rather esoteric research, and I wanted to, I'm, I'm a former history professor on top of everything else. I like to get, and I'm a former investigative journalist, I like to get the facts straight. I like to have the, you know, the sources clear. I was doing some research involving uh, an account of something that happened in the Ottoman Empire in the reign of Suleiman the Magnificent. And I said at midnight, I need a Turk, because I was looking at Turkish documents and I could not translate them. At that moment, I get an email from Izmir in Turkey, from a Turkish physician asking if she can come to one of my workshops. I mean, at that moment. So I say to her, yes, you're welcome to come to the workshop. I'll help you come. But please, could you translate these documents for me? So she went <laughs> to the Topkapi, the great archive in Istanbul, and she translated the documents, and I had what I needed. I mean, that's, that's an example of coincidence where we can see a sort of hidden causation. You have something on your mind. It reaches across time and space in an unlikely but, you know, maybe plausible way, nonetheless, it brings something to you. So we're missing out on a great deal if we're not paying attention to patterns of coincidence because we have so much to gain from them. We do, and, and I know in your book, uh, The Secret History of Dreaming, you go through quite a few uh, stories of people and how they, they, they really dreamed and created or they dreamt about something and then it occurred later. And as you were talking about the, the woman in your dream, I was reminded of the story where I believe it was Einstein Einstein um, dreamt about someone that was ill, had, a, had a, a cancer in the mouth. And then later, 
in his life develop the same issue. So oftentimes you're talking we about can't... one of the saddest and most instructive stories in the history of dreaming in relation to psychology, and I'd like to, I'd like to to to, to re- recount it briefly because it, it's not known. The story is like many other things in the secret history of dreaming is not known has not been generally well, available. Let's, story... let's give it the thorough time that it needs after this commercial okay. break because Wonderful. I have a couple of questions on it that I think will be quite interesting to All hear right. about. Good. My guest today is Robert Moss, and he is the author of numerous books on dreaming. The Secret History of Dreaming, Active Dreaming, Dream Gates, Conscious Dreaming. You can connect with him at mossdreams.com. And he provides a different look at how dreams affect us, how we create our lives, and how we can recollect the patterns and images and remembrance of our soul nature, soul path, and the purposes and reasons of why we're here, the meaning of our experiences as well. Connect with him at mossdreams.com, and you can also find out more about the events, lectures, and workshops that he holds on that site. We'll be right back with Robert Moss. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Robert Moss, world-renowned dream expert, was born in Australia, and his fascination with the dream world began in his childhood when he had three near-death experiences 
At this time, he first learned the ways of the traditional dreaming people through his friendship with Aborigines. A former professor of ancient history, he's also a novelist, journalist, and independent scholar, and his books are published in 21 languages. There are numerous books that you can access, including The Secret History of Dreaming, Dream Gates, uh, Conscious Dreaming, and Active Dreaming, and he's got a new book coming out as well later on this fall. You can connect with him at mossdreams.com. That's M-O-S-S dreams.com. Robert, we were talking about one of the stories that you're going to go a little deeper into, and the primary reason that I asked this this question before you go into the story is because so often they say that we can't see ourselves, uh, we can't truly see ourselves from the perspective that we need to, so we dream about other people, but usually in the dream it's always about us. And in this particular story, he diagnosed something that was going on with the patient, but then he later also uh, ended up with the same issue in his mouth many years later. So are our dreams also symbolic mirrors that may be happenings that would occur to us later in life, even if we're dreaming about someone else? Well, fine. Let's deal with the general question, then we'll get to the specifics of the story is the story of Freud, actually. Okay, uh, Freud, yes. story in terms of the history of psychology and the psychology of dreaming, and one that's not generally known, so it's, it's hugely important. But let's put it this way. Dreams are personal and transpersonal. Yes, I can look at whatever's going on in my dream as an aspect of myself. I can look at all the characters in my dream as aspects of myself, which is what Freud should have done in the case of the dream that we're about to discuss. However... And that might be fine. However, the dream might also be about other people. We get out and about in our dreams. We meet other people. This is the understanding of ancient and indigenous cultures. And it's the experience of active dreamers who do a lot of dreaming and become aware of what's going on. We meet other people. It's as simple as that. So what's going on in my dream is not necessarily just an aspect of myself or even just an aspect of the collective unconscious. I might have had an encounter with another person. I might might also, for example, have had an encounter with someone who's no longer physical in the sense that they die and passed on, they've come to visit me or I'm visiting them. That is one of the most natural and ordinary and important facets of dreaming in modern life. The number one reason why people tell me their dreams outside workshops is they've dreamed of a departed loved one or family member. They know it's for real and they need, con- they need confirmation and reassurance. Uh, that this is a possible encounter. It's not weird or wacko and that they can do something about it. So to, to cut to the chase, dreams are both personal and transpersonal. And because there can be many levels of meaning to a single dream, we don't want to jump to a, a, a hurried conclusion uh, about what is going on in one dream. It might be more than we initially think. One of the things going on in dreams on a routine basis, if we wake up to it, is we see the future. When I consider any dream of my own, one of my first questions is, Where did I go last night? And if I went into the future, which I often do, do I like what happened? If I I like what happened, how do I get there? If I don't like what happened, how do I avoid the possible future I saw? So that's just a general quick perspective on dreaming as both personal and transpersonal. Now to the story. This is the story of Sigmund Freud. Huge story in his life. And it should be a huge story in our understanding of dreams and the relationship of the Western mind to dreams because it involves the most famous dream in Freud's career. It is the so-called Irma dream, I-R-M-A, which he said led him to found the psychoanalytic method. He analyzed a dream of his own. He liked to analyze his own dreams, which is a good thing. Don't listen to anybody talk about dreams who doesn't work with their own dreams, and Freud was good in that respect. 
And in his dream, he's looking in the mouth of a patient called Irma, who'd been sent to him, diagnosed with hysteria, and was resistant to his treatment. He'd failed with her, actually, basically, as a patient. In his dream, amongst other things, he's looking in her mouth, and he sees a pattern of scabs and scars and discoloration, a really very unpleasant pattern inside her mouth. And on top of that, she's got something in the jaw that is like a prosthesis, not just like false teeth, but it's like she's got metal in her lower jaw. Really sort of horrible scene. And he sort of looks at this in the dream and analyzes the dream, and he never asks himself, Suppose Irma's condition was my condition. Suppose what I'm looking at in the mouth of a patient I failed with is actually something that could happen to me. He never asked that question. 28 years later, he was diagnosed with oral cancer. And the records, which are now in the Library of Congress, the records of his diagnosis and medical treatment, show that in the course of this terrible mouth cancer that Freud developed, he developed the same pattern of scars and discoloration as he attributed to his patient in the dream 28 years earlier and was eventually fitted with a metal prosthesis which he called the monster, which caused him incredible agony and basically helped him to die of starvation in the last months of his life. The thing is, it's entirely likely that Freud dreamed Maybe it was a disease marker. That would be a medical term for it. Maybe the first cancer, cancer cell telegraphed to him, sent him an image of what it could become. Freud dreamed of his own condition, his own physical condition, the, the cancer that killed him from his incessant cigar smoking, 28 years before he developed symptoms. It's a bit of a horror story, which maybe is why people haven't talked about it. In the vast literature of Freudianism, we, we haven't read this story. The, the, the find was actually made by an Argentine oncologist who was also a Freudian psycho psychiatrist. And he put the stuff together and compared the medical records with Freud's dreams. So I give credit to him in my book, The Secret History of Dreaming. But the, the story is generally unknown in the English language literature. And it's a very cautionary tale. In this case, it would so be So, Robert, let me part. ask you one quick question. Because I don't want people to go into fear now about their uh -huh. dreams if they're dreaming something right. about another person that is challenging or horrific right. or whatever it is. Because in your book, you also write that our dream states, whether they're waking or sleeping, can be used to heal ourselves, to yes, heal absolutely. our bodies, to do that kind of work. Absolutely. So if someone has a dream like that about another person, and in, in essence it's about that other person, but then it may also be a mirror to ourselves, what do we do then to heal ourselves of that condition or keep it from manifesting? Well, that's an excellent question. And the first thing you do with a dream of your own is you consider your feelings. Your first feelings on waking from the dream, if we're talking about a night dream, will be immediate guidance on how relevant this is to you. For example, if you have a dream which has some horror elements, but you wake up feeling detached and neutral, you can take it pretty much as guaranteed that this dream is not your personal stuff, for example. On the other hand, you have a dream with more mundane content, but you're feeling rattled. I mean, then you better do something about it. So you want to consider your feelings. Um, I would say this. Any dream provides an image that can be used for self-healing. It really, really does. Any dream that relates to the future shows you a possible future, not an inevitable future. If you don't like that future, you want to clarify the information from your dream and figure out how to do better. I mean, in my personal case, I could not be talking to you, Simran, if I had not dreamed three times of possible death on the road in road accidents 
been able to clarify the information and avoid those accidents. This is one of the things that I teach, that when you see the future in dreams and you don't like it, you can use the dream information to stay alive and to do better. This is one of the survival aspects of dreaming. When it comes to healing, back to your question, any image you have can be used in the direction of healing. Example, a woman I know, a famous artist, I obviously won't name her, was terrified by dreams of spiders that were getting bigger and bigger. She associated them with cancer. She'd had cancer. She hoped she was in remission. But the dreams were telling her there was still a problem. And in one of the dreams, the spider is enormous and gross, and it's jumping all over her art studio, and she doesn't want to be there. She asked me for help. I said, to her, okay, I want you to go back inside the dream. She's not enthusiastic. I say to her, and we're sitting in her house, I will come with you. I'll hold your hand. I will do nothing if I, if, if I can, except be your big brother, your bodyguard, and watch over you while you face the spider and see what is to be done. So I'm encouraging her to do what is a core technique in my active dreaming approach. Go back inside the dream, confront the image, confront the scene, see what needs to be done on its own ground. The artist goes back into the dream. She's sitting on the couch, wide awake and conscious. Her intention is to use the energy of her fear to go back into the scene with the colossal jumping spider. She is there. I'm with her. I see it. It's like a cinema scene. We're sitting on the sofa, but our second bodies were inside the studio, facing the spider. The spider becomes gigantic. She's scared. She's terrified. She's crying, but she stays her ground. She faces it. The spider, after what seems like a very long time, shapeshifts, becomes a radiantly beautiful woman, maybe a form of spider woman, a Native American form of the goddess. And the spider says to the dreamer, because you found your courage, I give you the power to shapeshift the energy web of your body so you don't need to get cancer anymore. And I give you the power to shapeshift the energy field of your life so you will enter the most healing and creative period of your life. Both promises were fulfilled. When she went back to the doctors for biopsy, she was cancer-free. And in the time since that dream, she's entered the most creative phase of her very creative life. That's an example of taking an initially terrifying image and working with it in the direction of healing. We don't want to ignore our fears and shut them in a closet. Take the energy of the fear and do something with it. That is incredibly powerful. Thank you, Robert, because that's going to be so helpful to so many. So many people take that fear and then just hold it rather than realizing that they can transform it, that they can go deeper into the story and find out the real ending rather than stopping midway through the movie. Exactly. Well said. Well so said. What, happens to the, what happens to the energy body during the course of dreaming, whether it is the waking process of dreaming or the sleeping dreaming? Is there something that goes on with us? Yes. I mean, we travel beyond the body. I mean, people are interested in out-of-body experiences or not, in astral projection or not. I will say to such people, who are many, you know, you want to know how to travel beyond the body and the brain. You want to know how to travel beyond the rules of physical reality. Don't sweat it. I mean, you do it every night in your dreams if you just pay attention and notice the after effects. There are people, whether or not they remember a lot of dream, a lot of dreaming, who wake up exhausted, drained in the morning. That is because, from my point of view, they've been traveling around in their energy body on a relatively dense level, so they come back feeling jet lagged because they did a lot out there during the night. <laughs> whether or not they remember what they did, they have the hangover, they have the after effects, they have the jet lag. I mean, dreaming is one of the ways of getting to understand something basic about humans. We are not just physical bodies and brains. We have subtle bodies, energy bodies on different levels. I mean, in some traditions, they talk about you know, many of these, maybe seven of these 
seven would be a common uh, number in both in, uh, in in the Sanskrit Hindu tradition and in Neoplatonism. Well, we have many subtle vehicles or vessels of soul and spirit. And guess what? When we go dreaming, we travel. We're not disembodied. We get outside the body and we travel in an energy body. And depending on how much dense or heavy energy we are carrying, we, we have experiences of a different kind. So this is one of the ways we learn about such things. I wrote a book called Dream Gates, which amongst other things has my, my best attempt to date at providing an anatomy of how these things work. I mean, a practical anatomy uh, with, with terms that we can work with, describing the different levels of energy involved in these experiences. My guest today is Robert Moss, and he is the world-renowned expert on dreaming, having written several books, many of which have been published in 21 languages. You can connect with him at mossdreams.com. If you are having an issue of not dreaming or not being able to remember your dreams, Robert has a step-by-step process to help uh, ease your way into renewing and refreshing your relationship with your dreams. Number one, set an intention for the night. Write down the intention so that you are very clear on it. Let it have some juice so that you know what it is and make sure you have the means to honor it so that if you wake up, you have a a notebook or something beside your bed to take notes. Number two, practice conscious entry into your dream space so that you get used to going into that space and you don't need to go to sleep in order to dream. Number three, play with the dreamlike symbols of everyday life and allow yourself to notice those even in your waking state. And number four, be kind to the fragments. Don't give up on the fragments of your night dreams. These wispy traces can be exciting to play with, and as you play, you'll find you pull more and more back from the forgotten dream. We'll be right back with Robert Moss, mossdreams.com. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. 
Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The process of manifestation begins with a movement or intention on the spiritual plane that is projected toward physical reality through images, the facts and events of the imaginal realm. By entering the imaginal world through dream travel, we can become active participants in this process and co-creators of the circumstances of our lives on earth. As we learn to work with the hidden order of events, we come to recognize that it also reveals through the play of synchronicity in everyday life. As evolving beings, we will come to take dreams more literally and waking life more symbolically. My guest today is Robert Moss, and he is speaking to us about dreams. But we're going deeper, deeper than just the symbology of dreams, really allowing you to understand the power that you have in dreams and the choices that you make, whether it is to take the fear and go deeper into it to provide healing or using it intentionally to start creating new opportunities and coincidences in your life. Robert, we were talking a little bit. I had gone through one of your... uh, one of your scenarios of how to bring dreams back or help to remember dreams again. But what about when we have fragments where we just remember that tiny trace and we really want to remember what that dream was about? How do we go back and remember the whole thing or what do we do with the fragments? Well, I'm a great believer in fragments. I mean, you've been going through a dream drought, but if you tell me you don't remember any dreams, I'm going to be a skeptic. I'm going to ask you, well, you have something, don't you? I mean, you have a sense of color, you have fragment of a song, you have something from the night. And it's funny what happens when we ask ourselves that question instead of just saying, I didn't remember my dreams again. Example, once I was working with a woman who was very depressed, she'd lost a job, she was going through a protracted dream drought, and she was at a, a five-day retreat of mine, a creativity retreat, and other people talking about dreams, and she didn't have any. And she's sitting at the breakfast table, and she's really disgusted. And I say, well, wait a minute, I don't believe you when you say you remember nothing. And she looks at me and says, I really don't. I say, think again, do you absolutely have nothing from the night? She says, she almost spits it out. She says, I have a blob. How's that? I say, how interesting. What kind of blob is it? Well, I don't know, she says. Well, what color is it? Or color? Oh, it's red, red blob. Well, like a blob of red paint? Yes, she says. Like house paint? Like oil paint, she says. Like an artist's oil paint. I say, well, what comes to mind when you think about a blob of oil paint? Suddenly she is back at nine years old in the studio of her mother, a professional artist, who has a blob of red oil paint on her palette, along with other colors. And she's come to her mother because something terrible has happened, and she desperately needs guidance and help. And mom screams at her to get out of the studio. Don't you remember? You're not supposed to interrupt me when I'm working. Suddenly, we are back in the beating heart of her life, age nine. And out of that came healing and understanding and recognition, all because... We were able to work with a fragment that was only a blob until we started talking about it. Now, as I describe that process, I'm revealing something fundamental. We want to learn to talk about these things to people we can trust, to friends. I've invented a process called the lightning dream work process, which is meant to be quick like lightning. It's meant to focus energy. It lays down very simple protocols, very simple rules for sharing things in a supportive and spirited way with other people. We need a way of talking about these things. Now, another thing that I say to people when they claim that they don't remember any dreams and complain complain about a long dream drought, I say, okay, will you remember, if you can, the last dream that came to you? May I tell you a story about that one, too? Oh, please do. Please do. I was leading a workshop earlier this year in France, 
And there was a wonderful woman at the group who'd done a lot of shamanic work and a lot of yoga and a lot of spiritual practice. But she said at the end of day one, at a residential three-day retreat, she said, Robert, I don't know what I'm doing here because I do all this stuff, but I have no dreams and everybody's talking about dreams. And I say, I don't believe you. Tell me the last dream you remember. She looks at me. She says, the last dream I remember is from 30 years ago. Mm. I, I say, okay, please tell me. She says, I was seven years old. So that dates her. She's 37. I tell me what happened. She said, well, I dreamed that a hand, a sort of disembodied arm with a hand, comes from behind a curtain. It's offering me chocolate, and I like chocolate, but I'm terrified because the hand is coming from behind a curtain. I wake up screaming. My parents come. They say, go back to sleep. It's only a dream, which parents do all the time, of course, and kids never trust you after you do that. And so she prays, good Catholic girl, she prays to have no more dreams. And her prayers are answered for 30 years. She's had no dreams. So I suggest to her the same technique I suggested to the artist with the dreams of the spider. I say, I would love you to go back inside this dream, open the curtain, and understand what's going on. You're 37 years old. You're a grown woman. You've survived. Can you do that? She's not cheerful, but she says, I'll give it a try. So she does the technique of dream reentry, which means you take a personal image and you go back inside it and you open a space and you confront whatever needs to be dealt with on its own ground. In her wide awake conscious dream, we're using shamanic drumming to keep this going, she opens the curtain and behind the curtain is a radiant being like an angel, except that when she looks at him closely, she recognizes a man she loved. The man was her father's best friend. He was like a father to her. He owned a toy shop. He let her have the run of the toy shop after hours. They shared stories. He says, it was you. Why didn't you show yourself? He says, I wanted to give you something sweet, but I couldn't show you your face, my face when you were seven years old, because you've probably forgotten I was, ki- I was killed in a terrible car accident, and my face was mutilated, and I didn't know how to change it, and I didn't want to scare you. So she's had this experience now of recognizing that behind the curtain, behind the terror, was a friend. And now I say to her, when she shares this moving experience, tears of joy and recognition are flowing, I say, I bet you'll dream differently now. That night she dreams up a storm. In the morning at the breakfast table at this residential retreat, she can't wait to tell us her dream. She says, my dreams are going through my mind like a high-speed train, one after another after another. She tells us eight <laughs> dreams at the breakfast table. So the woman with a dream drought is now full of dreams and her soul has come back to her. Wow, that's amazing. And and that's just it. We tend to stop ourselves before really knowing the whole story. And it's kind of the chaos that we even do in everyday life sometimes when we encounter a situation. With that said, and I know we have a very brief amount of time left, what do we do with the children? How do we respond to them when they're dreaming? Listen up. There's a chap- the first chapter in my new book, Active Dreaming, is called Punch a Hole in the World. I borrowed the title with permission from my youngest daughter. When she was four years old, she said to me, Daddy, you know I go to a magical place called Teddy Bear Land? Oh, sure. You want to know how I go there, she says? Please tell me. Sometimes I take the sun gate, she says. Sometimes I take the moon gate. Sometimes I take the rainbow bridge. And sometimes I just punch a hole in the world. Now, that's the imagination and the natural shamanism of children. That's not because she's my daughter. That's what children have. Children, very young children, are our mentors and teachers on dreaming and imagination. Adults should not suppose 
that they know what these things mean better than the young child. The young child usually knows better because she lives closer to the dreaming. So the first responsibility is to listen. When there's something scary, we need to give kids a way to shift the fear, shift the energy right away, spit it out, make an image of what they didn't like, tear it up, do something like shift the energy right away. We want to give them an ally for the night. The first ally is ourselves. The second ally might be a stuffed toy or a toy soldier or something like that. You say, this is your guardian for the night. You choose it. You choose the teddy bear. You choose the, the, the stuffed toy that looks like a dog or a tiger. You make that your guardian over the night so that if anything bad happens, you have a friend. You encourage them to give creative expression to their dreams, you know, to draw refrigerator pictures and far beyond that. Encourage them to keep journals from as young an age as possible. Those will be treasure boxes later on. That's how it begins. It begins with the humility of recognizing that we have more to learn from young children about dreaming than we have to teach them. We don't want to analyze or interpret their dreams because they're bringing the dream world to us, but they need help and support. And sometimes their dreams contain messages that will require action by the adults in their world because sometimes they, not being hung up on our inhibitions and rationalism and reductionism, they understand that they see the future and they see problems the family needs to know about that we need to listen to and act upon. So we need to be prepared to act on advisories they bring to us, which, which we do not get for ourselves. And what amazing wisdom has come from Robert Moss. Thank you so much for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I urge you all to connect with him at mossdreams.com. I've had the pleasure of reading through Secret History of Dreaming, Dream Gates, and many of his other books. The Active Dreaming book is, is going to be an amazing book for you to read as well. So definitely connect with him so that you can start to understand that this is one of your soul languages waiting for you to access. Thank you, Robert, once again for being 1111 Talk Radio, and I will talk to you again next week. Until then, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of Conscious Choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.